Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. This Sunday evening, the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center will be screening the documentary of When Voices Meet. It tells the story of the trials and tribulations of the journey of South African musician and music therapist Sharon Katz. Just following the time of Mandela's release from jail, she, together with educator Nshanshla Wanda, formed a 500-voice multiracial youth choir, railroading across the country aboard the peace train. Sharon joins me now to tell me of her own personal join, journey. Also in the studio is Marilyn Cohen, the executive producer of the documentary, and who has been part of this process from the beginning. It is an initiative that captured the hearts and souls of South Africa at a time when it was needed most. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Shalom. <laughs> Thanks so much. Wonderful to be here. You literally jetted into the country yesterday? No, we arrived about two weeks ago, but we arrived in Johannesburg yesterday. We've been out in uh, Mabopane and Winterfeld working with an orphanage out there and just came to Joburg. So one of the things that you do is to bring the, the goods of what you do are being brought back you giving back to the community that you love so much and wanted to bring together at that time. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about the, the work that you're doing now? The work I'm doing now, I'm always involved with community work. And I'm originally from Port Elizabeth. And I, I, th I really do think that growing up Jewish gave me that, in the Jewish community that I grew up in, uh, really gave me that sense of of pride as a human being and knowing that as human beings we need to love and respect one another. And I was always appalled at apartheid and what it had done to the black communities in in particular. And seeing our privilege, our white privilege, I always felt that at some point in my life when I'm able to, when I'm older, I want to give back. So this it's my life's mission and work. Sharon, the peace train captured the imagination of South Africa then. It was a euphoric time in South Africa. It was. There was great excitement. There was great hope, a little bit of tension. But the people were there. What was it like in 1995 starting the peace train? Oh, my goodness. Actually, we go back. It was 1992. So, yes, you're absolutely right. It was an era of hair standing on end yes. with, with, with excitement, with anticipation. There was fear as well. We were based in KwaZulu-Natal. My mom was originally from Durban. And my path took me back to Durban through meeting Joseph Shabalala, Ladysmith Black Mambazo. I met them in the U.S. and I made my way back to Durban with Marilyn. But it was a time of turbulence, of turmoil, of resistance, of like it's time now for change. Mandela's out of jail. We need elections. We don't know when elections are going to be. It was hectic. But it was, as you said, euphoric because – we were filled with anticipation and people, particularly the new leadership that had just emerged from jail, from prisons all over South Africa, Robben Island and so on, the, 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 the leadership at that point, even Jacob Zuma and Kosazana both and Jeff Khadebe, many of them, they were operating out of a small office in Durban. And they loved everything that we were talking about because it was about a non-racial democracy. So we got an opportunity to meet Tata Madiba when he came to Durban on all of the occasions, his birthday celebrations when he turned 75. And uh, we were part of all of that with our project that we built from 
you know, from nothing into a 500-voice children's choir at that stage. It was just incredible. I can't, you know, when I think about it, I just want to scream. It was amazing. And Marilyn, <laughs> you're watching this from America. How did you get involved? I actually met Sharon when her band was performing in America, and she was talking about the work that she was doing, and I became enthralled and said I had a couple of weeks' vacation stored up from my job. I'd love to come over, and those couple of weeks turned into eight years because when I arrived here, Sharon was in the midst of putting together this 500-voice choir with children from all different races, and she had this idea to put on a, a show in Durban, to help people see what the new South Africa could really look like. And uh, once I sat in that seat at that concert, it was all over for me. I wasn't going back to America. I immediately got on board the peace train and helped with some of the organizing and fundraising. We actually hired a, a train, and we all lived together on that train, traveled around the country, gave performances at each stop so that this was 1993, so that people could see what the new South Africa was going to look like and the joy, you know, of the the children being together and the music telling the story of people coming together was unbelievable, phenomenal experience. And uh, I've just stayed on board for the past 25 years, fortunately had my camera going along the way documenting the process and that's the footage that's in the film when voices meet so we're going to talk about that and it's amazing that you were able to get that footage all along and you've got that from going 20 years back but before we get to that Sharon I just want to ask you about music as a unifying force because you are a music therapist music is your passion it was a choir what is that the power of music wow it's such a deep uh connection that you can make when you're playing music and when you're performing together. First of all, you, you're in another zone. You, you, you are forgetting everything else that's going on. It's only about the moment. And I think that's a, it's a beautiful experience to share. And it's the one that gives everybody a sense of belonging in a group. No more, you know, you, a child that feels left out is not going to feel left out anymore when they're singing together. It's as simple as that. But it's also a very deep, deep concept when you're teaching it, when you're experiencing it, and when you're using music as a tool to unite people. And I was able to synthesize my experiences and my my education as a music therapist, which I received uh, outside in, in America, outside of South Africa, because at that time we didn't have music therapy in South Africa, and I wanted to, to study in this field. So I was fortunate, really, to go to America and train as a music therapist and then be able to bring back my skills to South Africa. And having been an individual that was always curious about my fellow human beings in South Africa and what was going on in townships? How were people living? What was this evil apartheid regime, you know, doing to the majority of people? So I had traveled a lot. I had lived in Lesotho uh, in a village. I had traveled to many, many townships in the Western Cape in particular and around my hometown, Port Elizabeth. So I already had that experience 
so that when I came back with Marilyn, who, by the way, had managed the entire mental health system of Philadelphia, one of the largest cities in America, she had incredible experience, Marilyn, not only behind a camera, but also as an, as an organizer and as an activist, as a, a social activist, as a, as a social worker and administrator. So Marilyn was able to help me to, with the nuts and bolts to a huge degree. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. And also we joined with Nontlantlawanda, who's a lovely, lovely musician and our best friend. You know, we call ourselves triplets. <laughs> She's a Zulu woman, and she had grown up in um, an impoverished area of Umbumbulu and uh, south of Durban. And But she was a teacher when we met her, and we stuck together like glue as musicians and as friends to this day. And Nontlantlaw, together we built this project with communities all around Durban, black, white, Indian, colored. We worked with synagogues, with mosques, with Hindu temples, with you name it, schools, communities, Jewish participants as well. And we built this together as a rainbow nation that Mandela was talking about already. And also on board you had some famous musicians who bought in and will be at the opening on Sunday evening. We did, you know, and it's also very, you used the word organic a little bit earlier today. It was, it's all very organic. I met John when I was about 15. John, John Carney. The John Carney. The John Carney. John <laughs> Carney and Beyonce in the same breath right <laughs> yes. now because he's doing The Lion King now with John. Amazing. With Beyonce. I mean, John is up there. And he was working with Ethel Fugard at the time. He was young. You know, we were all a lot younger. <laughs> but Ethel was training a group called the Serpent Players in uh, New Brighton which is, you know, the township outside or adjacent to Port Elizabeth. And I met John at an underground performance. I say underground because, you know, everybody would have been arrested. It was a progressive party um, hosting this this play, and I happened to be there. And I met John, and at this young age, I begged John. I said, look, I have to come and see where you live. I feel so isolated as a white child. Please, will you take me to the township? And under much duress, he finally agreed, and they had to hide me the back of the car. <laughs> That's how I met John, and, uh, and we've maintained our friendship. Abigail, I met Abigail many years later. In about you have to give <laughs> Abigail Kubeka, sorry, <laughs> my buddies. Abigail was one of the Skylarks. She sang with Miriam Makeba. She grew up with Miriam. And I was blessed to meet her through uh, my other friend, Dolly Ratebe, who was the queen of the blues. If Dolly was alive, she would have been here in the studio. And she was wonderful. Dolly introduced me to Abigail and Miriam Makeba. And Abigail became one of our, um, if I can say, narrators in the film. She has she played a big role in the film. She toured with us in America for a month. She stayed with us. So we became best buddies and she participated in the film. And then Marilyn bringing the making the documentary. You were part of it. You were taking videos. At that time I'm sure you weren't thinking of a documentary 20 20 years later. You were just taking the moments as they happened. What was it like putting this together after such a long time? Well, you're right. We didn't intend to make a film initially. I was just um, documenting what was happening in South Africa in the early 90s and with the peace train traveling around the country. But then as the work progressed, 
and Sharon performing all around the world, telling people the story, everybody kept asking, when are you going to write a book or when are you going to make a film? And, you know, when you're a musician, a book doesn't quite do it because <laughs> you've got to have that music in it. And so the film was a, a natural medium for it. And we had the opportunity to come back and interview the original participants 20 years wow. later. Amazing. So the original members of the choir ranged from 7 to 17 years. Now we came back 20 years later and got their perspective about the impact of the project. And all of that is put together in the film, as Sharon says, with John Connie and Abigail Kubeka adding their commentary about the experience, about their times with Sharon and, and Nantlanda. And it was fabulous. And, and we were just so fortunate that the film has been picked up all around the world. It, it's won awards in countries worldwide. It's been shown in 49 countries here in Africa as well as across North America. And we're thrilled that Sunday night it'll, it'll be here in Johannesburg at 6 o'clock. And we know for sure that Abigail Kubeka is coming and John Connie is also going to try to be there. Nonplan Lawanda is coming up from Durban for it. So it's going to be a great night. And you're going to show the documentary and the songs will be part of that documentary. Yes. You've w woven that in. Oh, yes. And then you'll be available for questions and answers afterwards. And I think Sharon and Nantlanda are even going to do a little live music. So oh. it's going to be oh, quite be a night. I would be surprised if Abigail joins us. <laughs> <laughs> You return to South Africa. You have a deep connection. Both of you come spend a lot of time here. Do you think we are ready for another peace train? Well, I think that we are. I think that we always need a project like this that can mobilize people's best selves. If you if if you know what I mean, we we coming together. You know, it's important that we have something greater to think about, that we think about the future, that we think about our children, that we come together with a, within an atmosphere of hope and optimism. And I, I think it's really important. I, I wish we could. We've, we, we look at it this way. We, we try to ignite a, a little fire everywhere we go. And even if we can't do the huge peace train, which it would be amazing if we could do that, if we could get the resources to do that. But if we can do it where we are in different communities, such as Mabopane, yeah. we're going to Durban, we, we're going to be build, putting the building blocks together. And, and you never know. You never know. It could be possible again that we could maybe stage a peace train across South Africa. It certainly captured the imagination of the people at the time. It was the, 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 the slogan of a peace train, something that brings people together going through the country. Correct. And in a way, you're still doing that. You yes. are, the peace train is continuing. Yes. So maybe what we need is another revival of working together, um, bringing hope. Yes. You know, and, and, and bringing this together. You know, South Africa was a role model for the rest of the world in the 90s. The, the transition uh, really inspired people everywhere. Um, Sharon did a peace train across America last year because of the divisiveness in that country. Right. And uh, it's wonderful to, to keep that flame alive. How long are you in South Africa still for? We'll be here until April. 
Okay. And then we're going back to the United States for a few months. They've actually asked us to do a peace train project in Southern California because, as you know, there's there's a lot of division and uh, animosity going on now with the present government in the United States. They put, want to build a wall between America and Mexico, which is a ludicrous concept, um, at least to us. And uh, we want to give those children, the, the Mexican children and Latino children, <laughs> an opportunity to mix with North American children. So there's there's a great need for this. You know, I, every time I go to Israel and I travel often to Israel and I have family in Israel, I'm always involved with this peace train project. They, people want to see the film. People want to work together on all sides, <laughs> all sides. So it's it's really important to keep that vision of the possibility of peace. So keeping that possibility of peace, we're going to end on a note where we listen to the peace train. We're going to um, play out with that. But I just wanted to thank both of you for coming in, um, Sharon Katz and Marilyn um, Cohen. Uh, and I also want to urge everybody, if they have any questions for you, they have an opportunity to put them to you directly, and they should do so at the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center this Sunday evening. And they need to RSVP, and they can do so on the Johannesburg and Holocaust Center website. Again, thank you to both of you for coming in, and good luck for the launch of your documentary here. Thanks thank so much. You. We'll see everyone at 6 o'clock on Sunday. Thank you so much. We really appreciate being here.